The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. You're tuned into an all-new edition of Talk of Champions, a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions, and we got so much to get to. Some staff stuff, football recruiting, basketball, not really so hot right now. Me and Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet, we're going to cover it all. But before we do, let me tell you about my bookie. It's that time of year. Divisions are decided, champions are crowned, and legends are born. It's time for the NFL playoffs. You've waited and watched all year as your team rose to the top or fell to the bottom, but now it's your turn to win big. You've heard the name just about everywhere, My Bookie. They're the industry's leading online sportsbook and casino, and it's not hard to understand why. With thousands of lines to bet on all your favorite sports, the NFL, NBA, college ball, check, check, and check. MMA and soccer, they've got all the latest odds, period. Take advantage of MyBookie's prop builder and live in-game betting where every single run, throw, and touchdown is another chance for you to put cash in your pocket. Visit their mobile-friendly website today and get your deposit match halfway up to $1,000. Just use the promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, when you make your first deposit. The best part is they make it simple with a variety of ways to deposit instantly, including credit card, bank transfer, Bitcoin, and more. Whether you're at home or on the go, on your laptop or your phone, it's not too late to make your New Year's resolution a resolution to get paid. Bet, win, and get paid. It's my bookie. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. You can also find Talk of Champions on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Brad, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, Ben? 15 of the 24 players Ole Miss received NLIs from in December are anticipated to report to campus a week from Monday. Early enrollees will officially arrive on Monday, January 18th. Some could be trickling the weekend before. That's a big number. Who do we expect? Well, Luke Altmaier practiced in December leading up to the Outback Bowl. MJ Daniels, Brandon Buckhalter, Elijah Sabatini, Quay Davis, Jamon Gordon, Markevious Brown, Micah Pettis, Hudson Wolf, Trey Washington, Tysheem Johnson. It's unprecedented. You don't usually see this many early enrollees 
What does it mean to get this many guys in early? It's huge, man. I mean, I, I don't even know if that was even an option when I was in college. Um, I wish it was. Um, I don't know if it was even a thing, but I mean, that, that's just huge to get it, to get it a little bit extra for the guys that got to practice. I mean, obviously, you, you know, you, you get to kind of see what it feels like. You don't have to go a whole, you know, six months wondering, Hey, what's the SEC practice feel like? You got to get, get a little experience. And that, 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 that goes a long way going into the, the next year. And, and um, yeah, I mean, just get, getting that early start in the conditioning program and the, the strength program. I mean, it, it, it essentially gives you, um, you know, it can give some guys five and a half years almost to, to play ball. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty sweet. As far as what they can expect once they first arrive, what is the initiation from a strength and conditioning standpoint to just getting integrated into the program and the process in which you have to go through? What will they be introduced to first? Yeah, I, I just think that um, everything's just up up a notch from high school. I mean, just depending on what high school you came from, some people, some people out there came from from pretty solid high schools where they they got somewhat of a structure. But a lot of people come from a high school that is very, you know, it's just black and white, man. I mean, it's it's just you, you go in and work out for your scheduled time, you go home. I mean, it's just a, it, it's not quite as advanced as some other schools, and then that could that could always be a wake up call for some guy. That's how I was coming in. We just. I mean, ours was very vanilla. We didn't do some of the stuff that we did there, so it was kind of a, was a big wake-up call coming in. So, um, yeah, I mean, when they get there, it's it's a different speed, it's a different um, different mentality, different mindset. Um, but they, they kind of try to break you, the guys that they can, um, you know, early on. So, yeah, I mean, it, it'll it'll certainly be a be a wake-up call for some guys and some others. will be kind of used to it, just depending on where they came from. Which aspect took you the longest to adjust to? What was the most? Oh, I'm in Division One now. Well, I think it was kind of um, time management and managing your own time, you know, managing your own schedule. Um, I found it kind of kind of hard. I think there one of my years I lost a bunch of weight because I just, um, you know, I was I was used to, you know, high school, whatever you go, come home and eat. You have the same schedule, kind of got your mom and dad there and, and kind of your lifestyle at home. Well, you're kind of responsible for all aspects of your life and you got to kind of figure out time management and how to how to do do what's right when you're responsible for it. You know, you don't have someone there pushing you the whole time. Um, I think that was probably the biggest thing, especially being 18. I actually got there when I was 17. But, um, you know, being 17 years old out on your own, it's, um, you know, it's, uh, the maturity has to really pick up, you know, the first year or two to, to kind of get, get up to speed. Other news, on Monday, Ole Miss landed Western Kentucky wide receiver Ja'Core Pearson. He announced on Instagram he's transferring to Ole Miss. 5'9", 180, caught nine passes for 96 yards and two touchdowns at Western Kentucky this year. But it was only two games before he announced his intention to transfer. The year before that, he actually had a breakout season in which he caught 76 passes, 804 yards, seven touchdowns. He was second team all CUSA. I know that there are some questions for this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions that are going to come up about this particular player, but when you heard the news about the transfer and knowing that Ole Miss is looking to replace Elijah Moore, what did you think about this, a potential candidate, a transfer that Ole Miss landed on Monday? Well, first thing I did was I said, who the hell is that guy? And I went online and and typed his name into Google, just like probably 99% of all Ole Miss fans did. Um, I was able to find a highlight video of this guy. And um, I don't know if they had the the fast forward plan or what, but he looked really damn fast. So um, he looked very shifty, very fast. Um, my only concern coming in it will be really two concerns. Hey, how does he do versus SEC? Which I, I'm I'm sure he's probably played in SEC school or so uh, while he was at Western Kentucky. And two, how does he look after? essentially not playing a whole football season. I've, I am not a fan of taking off a year of football. I think a lot of guys come back a step, 
a step behind, a step slower. So it'll be, you know, what kind of shapes he in, what's, is he ready to go for, for SEC style football, but off the hoof, looking at the highlight video. Yeah. He's got some serious juice. On the national scope was 27th in receptions, 84th in yards. As far as what Ole Miss needs, once you get back Braylon Sanders, who's already announced he's returning, Dontario Drummond, Jonathan Mingo is coming back, you're returning the bulk of your wide receiver group. So knowing that you needed a true slot, well, if you're looking for just that, he fits. But just replacing, stepping in for Elijah Moore, that's not necessarily what you're asking of him because Ole Miss proved without Elijah Moore can still put up yards, he can still put up points, including in the win against Indiana. So it's not necessarily just this is the Elijah Moore replacement, but if you're looking for when you're making it out on paper what we're trying to construct as a roster, this fits what you're looking for as far as a slot, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think just looking at the guys we have, one thing we really don't have at wide receiver is some guy is, is kind of a shifty guy with some juice. We really don't. We have, we have some talented guys. We have some guys that can run, but we don't have that that little super quick shifty slot. And I think that if you look at the way the way they're trying to evaluate the, the roster, it sounds like they're just trying to bring in you know a veteran that that it kind of fits that mold, kind of shifty, and it can kind of run a little bit. And if he works out cool, if he doesn't, no big deal. I mean, he, he looks good on film, so. Um, you, know, you you have other guys there. It's not a make or break whether this kid's good or not or contributes to Ole Miss, but um, you never know. I mean, he's he's got some serious juice, so bring him in, see what he can do. If he if he can do it, cool. If not, we have other guys coming in that 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 could that could step in. So we thought Ole Miss had three or four transfer spots available. Now one is taken by Jacor Pearson, the transfer wide receiver out of Western Kentucky. So now, what do they absolutely need? We know that they're going to land a tight end at some point. Where else? Um, I'd like to see a, some sort of a linebacker or, um, you know, maybe tight, tight end for sure. I mean, obviously you want some experience there. Um, maybe a, um, maybe a D line, maybe, maybe some, maybe an edge rusher um, if we can get that. But I, everywhere else, man, I mean, I feel pretty comfortable going in. Um, it actually wouldn't surprise me if we end up taking two tight ends and the, um, especially with the, the recent news with Kelly getting hurt. Um, I think you make a go go after go after two tight ends there, and then you have the the freshman there as well. So, um, yeah, that, that's just such an important position for Lane. I could see him, you know, if there was nothing else available, if we couldn't get some other guys, maybe bring in a couple tight ends. Redshirt freshman tight end Casey Kelly possibly tore his ACL and MCL in a snowboarding accident over the holiday break, and usually that wouldn't be huge news considering that he's a reserve, he's a non-scholarship player, but what you saw from him, what you saw him flash in those last handful of games without Kenny Yeboah, Ole Miss has got something in Casey Kelly. See, this hurts, and I don't know what the timeline is. I don't know if this means that he's out for next season or if there's a timeline if you're tearing both your ACL and MCL to where you can come back. If it's a middle of the year thing, when you heard the news initially, what did you think as far as timeline when he can actually return? I mean, it just sucks for the kid, man. I mean, it's bad timing. He is, um, he he certainly certainly you know stepped up in the Outback Bowl and showed showed that he had had you know he belonged there. But I, I saw a lot of potential in him, but to potentially you know fix his body a little bit, kind of get a little bit quicker, and I think he could be like a real real threat for us. So, I think this off season could have been huge for him. You know, in the weight room, you know, kind of getting in really good shape, knowing he was going to have a legit role, and he could have really become a good player. But this is going to kind of set him back from getting to where I think he needed to be to be a to be a every you know every down kind of kind of SEC style tight end. So. Um, hopefully the kid gets better. I mean, he's, he's obviously a good thing. He's only a freshman. Um, you know, he's got time to recover from this and become a serviceable player, but, 
um, yeah, it's just unfortunate for him. I thought I thought he had a lot of potential. I thought this was a huge offseason for him to get um, to get his body where it needed to be, and um, it's unfortunate. It's going to take him a you know take a little bit of a, a detour, but but I wish him well, and hopefully hopefully he comes back. I mentioned it in passing to start the show, but this is a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. I asked on Monday for questions well before the national championship game on Monday, which full disclosure we're recording during to bring you this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions on this Tuesday. And you answer it. You answer with a bunch of questions, some 40 questions. we got to get into it. So before we open the mailbag, let's hear from BNA Bank and Modern Woodman. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. The, The mail's here. You've got mail. Special mail for you. This is a letter to Hollywood saying, keep it up. Movies are great. It's mailbag time here on Talk of Champions. Opening the Modern Woman mailbag. If you haven't already subscribed, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. When you do, leave a five-star review. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. All right, for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. There's never an easy, seamless way to jump in. So... We just go to the first question. We haven't looked at these. I have no clue what's coming. Tyler Keith at Tyler K82. Does Snoop transfer is the first part of a multi-question post on Twitter. So I'll leave that to you. Do you think Snoop transfers? Um, I mean, I would certainly hope not. But if Snoop did transfer, I would see where he's coming from. Um, the, the guy should be our start running back. Um, he's he's a very good player. You know, I'm high on him. So... Um, if he transfers, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think it would be a big loss for our running back room, but if he did, I, I certainly would see where he was coming from, but let's hope he doesn't. I think that, um, it'd be nice to get his carries up. I don't know if there's something within where they don't trust him or, or maybe they, um, you know, he just doesn't fit them personality wise or whatever, but he, he adds a, an amazing spark to our backfield that, that I would hate to see walk out of the building. If he does transfer, he'll probably have to do it within the next couple of weeks. I think he doesn't transfer, but of the guys that are transfer potential guys left on the roster, because Ryder Anderson, he's already transferred. He's going to Indiana to finish out his college football career. So I don't think Snoop transfers, but of the guys left, he's the biggest threat, I think, to leave, to transfer. But right now, if you made me guess, I'd say no. Does JRP, John Rice Plumley transfer? I would say right now, No talking about the transfer wide receiver from Western Kentucky, 
here's another slot option in John Rice Plumley if he stays. And all indications right now are that he's going to go through baseball season. So if he goes through baseball season, yes, he might think he's given himself more time to make that decision, but the options will become much smaller for him. The pool will become much smaller for him of schools to transfer to if he waits till the summer. Right now would be the time to do it. So if he doesn't do it now, then I would say it's even greater of a chance that he stays at Ole Miss. And that's another option for the slot. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see John Rice in the slot, but I just don't view him really as, as any position. I view him as a guy if they're going to create pl- plays for and get him the ball. You know, I mean, a lot of stuff out of the backfield, mismatches versus linebackers. I mean, I think they're going to want like a true slot, but I, I definitely see John Rice, you know, working his way, playing wide receiver, running back, kind of some wildcat quarterback. They're going to get the guy the ball. I mean, you've seen versus Indiana, he's going to be that kind of guy, um, sort of like a Randall Mackey, kind of how he did his last year. Um, I mean, they're, they're going to get him. They're going to get the guy's touches. Does Ole Miss end up with the top 10 recruiting class next year? That seems a little rich to me. I don't know, man. I could see it. I, I really can. They're, if they, if we can get guys on campus and, um, you know, the momentum keeps going the way it, the way it is. I mean, I, I think that, um, I can certainly say I wouldn't be surprised. Just put it that way. I mean, it, it would definitely be a, a tough get for us, but, um, we're in on some pretty big names already going into the next year. I mean, it, it, they're going after some some big dogs, which is which is what we want to get to and what our program wants to get to. So if it happened, I wouldn't be surprised. They closed so well this year, they ended up in the top 20. So if they closed like they did this year, next year, considering the talent they're in on, then yeah, top 10 is realistic. But you would have to have a repeat of this year with even more top targets, which means more top competition. So it'll be tough. Top five, Tyler Keith asks. No, I don't think top five. I think that's just way too much of an ask. Are there any surprises to possibly come signing day? If you're talking about this signing day, I doubt it because they're pretty much done. Lane Kiffin has said that. They're waiting on maybe one guy, and that's Tywin Malone. So I doubt you're going to see much of anything in February. They pretty much got everything done in December. So surprises for this signing day? No. Does Ole Miss baseball go to Omaha? Yes. If they don't, it'll be a real bummer because last year's team was just had a rocket pack on their backs going to Omaha. Do they win the College World Series? Oh, man, that's such a crapshoot. Just get to Omaha. You get to Omaha, you get to that tournament, that part of the tournament, you got a chance. But that's a real murderer's row of teams. The difference is Ole Miss is uniquely set up to go to Omaha and to make a run because of the pitching depth that it has. While every other program in the country might have questions as far as how to get through a season with its pitching, Ole Miss returns everybody, everybody from last year. And that includes a recruiting class that was very high-end as far as pitching that supplements an already strong roster. So if they get to Omaha, they have a real shot because of the depth of their pitching. Tucker Italiano, with the potential for a four-game weekend series being discussed in baseball, actually that's not going to happen. The SEC pretty much agreed to have a normal schedule. So the four-game weekends, it's not going to happen. But, Tucker, what would you project starters to be, potential bullpen game one of those? I don't think there'd be a potential bullpen game in any of the four. It'd obviously be Nikhazy on Friday, Hogan on Saturday, Diamond probably on Sunday, though I think Greer Holston has a real chance to push Derek Diamond on Sundays. And if Derek Diamond were to get pushed, maybe he's the four starter if you had this, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think Derek Diamond is going to start on Sundays. He was just out all of the fall because of injury. And he was really good as a true freshman. But even then... You'd have Wes Burton and a number of other candidates that could potentially step up, including some freshmen that could start for you. So I think Greer Holston's in there. I think Wes Burton's in there, on and on. But the four-game weekend is not going to happen. Tucker Taliano, looking at the roster and current signees, how much better should Ole Miss expect the team to be in 2021? 
rostered roughly 17 blue chip players, several injured and position changed in 2020, and will roughly have 20 in 2021. 20 would be tied for 11th best in the SEC, was 12th last year. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're certainly going to improve. I mean, we we have a, most of our key pieces coming back. Um, obviously, losing more is is tough, but um, I mean, I, I think honestly, I think our defense is really going to be set up to be to be very good. I mean, they came on there at the end. They, there's some guys playing well. Well, then there's a bunch of older senior guys deciding to come back, which is going to be some good experienced players on top of some good depth. And then there's some guys from that, that class before that, that, you know, were kind of big name guys that didn't really get to play this year. So I think our defense is going to shape up to be, to be much better And the way Lane Kiffin puts up points. I mean, I think that, I think we should, we should expect to be much improved. If we play a normal schedule, um, I mean, you can every, every bit of expect to win eight on the, on a, on a bad season. You return the most important position on a team in the quarterback with Matt Corral, as well as a veteran offensive line, Yes, you're replacing Royce Newman, but that offensive line is going to be really strong. You got a ton of key skill players coming back. Jerion Ely is going to be coming off of a shoulder surgery, but as far as a football player, he's back. Henry Parrish flashed. Snoop Connor, assuming he doesn't transfer, will be a big piece. All of those wide receivers, now you've added a slot. And defensively, they have a real chance to make a drastic improvement. I think they did start to make improvements toward the end of last year, LSU notwithstanding, considering that they had the long break and then they played the game. I don't really put much stock into that game other than the fact that you let a true freshman do the same thing to you over and over and over again, which was a problem. But outside of that, Ole Miss defensively did show some signs of improvement. So I think defensively, Ole Miss is going to be better. Yes, when you look at it by the numbers, Ole Miss might be at the back end. But even as they were at the back end, this year, as far as talent, math doesn't tell the true story in that respect, considering that Ole Miss was 5-5, five and five, and that included nine games just in the SEC, and you won four of them. You play that out, that translates to eight, nine wins in a regular normal year with non-conference games. So you would expect Ole Miss then to at least repeat that success, considering what it's returning, eight wins, nine wins. I'm not so optimistic as to project 10, 11 wins next year, but I certainly think that Ole Miss is going to take care of its non-con and then be competitive again in the conference to where they could be going to an Outback Bowl, maybe a cap one. Maybe they're good enough. Maybe they win enough games. Because you think about this, they were in every single game they played. Florida, Alabama, they were in those games. Should have beaten Arkansas, even given up all those turnovers that they did. LSU, same thing. So if you think about it in that respect, and they clean up some certain areas of the team that led to those types of losses, why not have a few of those games, just a few, fall their way? Now you're talking about a potential New Year's Six game. Looking at a roster like that, and I'm all about the math always, but looking at a roster like that, in this case, doesn't really tell the true story because you're not factoring in, for example, the coaching aspect of it. Where would you rank Lane Kiffin amongst the SEC's coaches, especially as an offensive mind? That doesn't get taken into account when the math is put on paper like that for a roster. I'm all about math pretty much all the time, but in that respect, I think it can be a little off. Let's just put it that way. Brody Clayton at Brody Allen. By far the best Ole Miss affiliated podcast out there. Oh, thank you. Isn't that sweet, Brad? Look at, look at Brody. Giving us nice words. We'll take it. You know, you could show a little bit more thanks, Brad. Jeez. <laughs> I'm very thankful. All right, fine. With that being said, do you ever plan on having more than two pods in a week? Probably not. Maybe three. I'm never going to go every single day. Well, dur- during football season, we need to get we, we may we may add another creative segment in there somewhere along the lines next year. We need to. I'm all for trying to get this live during the game, live roll the motion podcast. 
Um, I, I really think that would be funny. Brody says your fans want more of you, Ben. Wow. I know Brad's the draw here. So T at underscore. It's just Tyler. This is our worst basketball team since when there's a lot of basketball left to be played. I'm not making excuses, but I don't think they're any worse than last year when they were two games under 500 overall and only won six sec games. It's really tough on the eyes to watch this group. Seems like no chemistry. I think they have chemistry. I think offensively, they're just deficient of shooters. They're shooting 28% from three. And when you shoot that, I mean, it's impossible to win. And it bleeds into other areas of your game. Ole Miss, what was keeping it afloat earlier in the year was defensively they were that good. Once you take that away and teams like Alabama that plays at a different type of pace and shoot threes at a proficient clip and get exposed a little bit, well, that starts to bleed into your offense too. Or when you start to miss shots, the confidence wanes, and then defensively you're not as engaged. So I just think right now they're a jumbled mess, and it can all be traced back to their inability to score from three. Romello doesn't get the ball enough. Agreed. The defense is good if we can score and get set up. No, I think they're good even when they're not setting up in the half court. Ole Miss is supposed to be a dominant 1-3-1 defense. But LSU ran that same defense, the one that was originated by Kermit Davis at Middle Tennessee, and did it better. So other programs have taken the concepts of Kermit Davis and improved upon them, and yet Ole Miss attacking that or playing against that defense in practice every single day can't right now do enough to put up enough points. 21 points in the first half against LSU is just terrible. And that goes back to an inability to make three-point shots. And that's what I think is the most concerning as far as roster construction because this team was billed to be a really good basketball team. And when you looked at it on paper, you thought it's all there. The top 25 signing class last year, the transfer, grad transfer success in the spring, the returning guys. What we didn't factor in enough is where the perimeter shooting was going to come from. And my question is, if Kermit Davis saw that two months before the season started, why was it not seen earlier than that, say in the spring or in August? Where was the three-point shooting going to come from? Because in this modern era of college basketball, if you can't shoot threes, you can't win. And Ole Miss is getting open looks. Somebody's got to step up and start making those shots. I don't know who it's going to be. I do think that Matthew Morrell has the most upside of those players, but Luis Rodriguez, you're getting shots. Make them. They're making them in practice. How do you translate that? Kermit Davis has forgotten more basketball than I'll ever know, so he'll have to be the one to figure that out. But that's what it all comes back to. As far as how bad this team is, they're no worse than last year's team. But that's a disappointment concerning last year's team was supposed to be better than they were. It just can't avalanche. It can't snowball like last year's did. Turn it around. Figure out a different way. And there are creative ways you could potentially do that. Like, for example, if you believe Matthew Morell is your future at point guard, play him at point guard. Because I think Devontae Shuler is what he is. And right now, he's not elevating the play of everyone else around him. So stop trying to fit Matthew Morell and Devontae Shuler together. More or less, just put the ball in Matthew Morell's hand. Let him play make. Let him slash and attack driving lanes and attack the rim. Because Devontae is trying to do those things, but he's not making the other players around him better. Another thing, too, Ole Miss has, I think, three more turnovers than assists this year on the year. That's a losing formula. Dave at Gunboat Dave. Who on the basketball team actually has a green light? Matthew Morell, Luis Rodriguez, Devontae Shuler, Jarkel at times, KJ Buffin in the half court. Seems like most of them are afraid to shoot. I don't think they're afraid to shoot. I think they have no confidence when they get the ball, when the shot is there. I don't believe they believe that the ball is going to go in the net. And that is what's scary to me. Once you lose confidence in basketball, like I mentioned, it can snowball. Cole Woods at Cole Miss 22. Who do you think will be the midweek starter for baseball? Wes Burton. Holston is a name that has been thrown out. Yes, he's a weekend option. 
but using him against midweek opponents sounds like a waste. That's why they won't use him against midweek competition. He'll be on the weekend either as a starter or as one of the first arms out of the bullpen. And I believe that guys like Burton and Forsyth, Miller, and Broadway play best out of the pen. Well, even if they get used in the midweek like Burton, they can still come back and pitch out of the bullpen. So I think take your best arm like a Wes Burton, pitch him in the midweek, and then he can come back on Saturday, sometimes on Friday. College baseball is much smaller as far as sample size than Major League Baseball. It's 60-something games compared to 162 games. I don't think that really matters as much. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet in this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions, after I tell you briefly about Cheney's Pharmacy, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. A new year is here, and you want to put your best foot forward. The only way to do that is to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, that you're keeping yourself safe, that your pharmacy is one you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard, that's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Nubby at NubSup69. Good Lord, what a name. Who wins <laughs> in a belt fight to the death? Steve Robertson or Dan Mullen? Steve Robertson is all bark and no bite. So Dan Mullen. Assuming, of course, that the standard rules of belt fighting are followed. What are those? What are the standard <laughs> rules of belt fighting? I've never oh, heard of man. such. I don't even know. Yeah. Like, I guess you can't, hit, you can't hit in the face with a belt. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. Uh, Steve definitely has the edge on experience. How so? Wait, wait, wait. How so? What, what history do you know that we don't know? But Mullen has a habit of running the score up on nobodies. That's true. I just think that Dan has a little bit more edge to him to win that battle than Steve does. Kopi P at Pat underscore pathetic. Ben, Brad, y'all ready for some ribs? Yes. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. We can't. We can't right now. We can't. And tell him why. We're, we're, we're trying to improve our health over the next four months. So four months, um, four months. We got, we got four months to get this, to get this straightened out. So I actually received a text from, uh, from my neighbor and um, he said, I appreciate it, man. My wife listened to your podcast and I can't eat sweets, um, fried food or any kind of carbonated drinks for the rest of the year. Appreciate it. And he, he was, he may have been legit kind of upset about this. So, um, we're rubbing off on the community. It's great. Sorry, not sorry. I'm going to bring everyone else in on the misery with us. Brad handles it better than I do. I'm miserable. My family had lasagna Monday night, and I had to watch them eat lasagna. <laughs> I had to watch them eat lasagna while I'm eating my little dinky diet meal. It was terrible. But I told myself, like Brad has told me before, it's still going to be there in four months. There's going to be more lasagna in four months. God willing, you're still alive in four months. The lasagna will still be there. So just don't put it in your mouth. <laughs> I agree. 
Just I donate agree, it. I wish, there, I wish there was like something you could put around your lips, and every time something unhealthy entered it, it would just shock your lips. I didn't touch uh, it. <laughs> it was terrible. They had Texas toast. I love Texas toast. Oh, just make a lasagna sandwich and let's go. Uh, it was brutal, but I didn't need it. So right now, <laughs> co-PP, Pat underscore pathetic, we're not going to do the ribs until, and it's better to do it in the spring slash summer anyway. July 4th would be a good time to try the ribs. Let's do it then, like July 4th. We'll have a big thing about it. We'll film it. Because by then, hopefully, both Brad and myself will be in good enough shape to feel like, okay, cool, put us on camera. I'm for it. Brad's already in shape. He just wants to tone up even more. I don't want to be put on camera looking like I look right now. (laughs) BJ Smith. We'll get there. We'll get there at BW Smith 3. What happens if Ole Miss baseball does a 180 from last season? Oh, God. Well, they extended Mike Bianco, so if you're getting those thoughts in your head, BJ, that that ain't happening. Will it make the run the team was on before the shutdown that much more bittersweet? Well, absolutely, because at that point, it'll truly be one of those, God, everything was falling into place, and only Ole Miss, we are Ole Miss, only Ole Miss could this happen. A a once-in-a-generation pandemic hits when Ole Miss baseball starved, starved for national championship in college baseball, best opportunity potentially that it's had ever And then the pandemic hits. Yes, it would make it that much more bittersweet, but I don't believe this team, with all the talent returning, is going to make a 180. I think they're going to be good from jump, and because the schedule will be normal rather than an all-league schedule, they're going to be good, and they're going to compete and, I think, go to the College World Series. If they don't go to the College World Series, that should be considered a letdown. Most of the time, I say, when you get to Super Regional play, look, man, anything can happen in a three-game series. You can't lay lack of success in a Super Regional on Mike Bianco. That's ridiculous. I still think that, but with this team, it'd be a little different considering all you're returning and considering the way the season ended last year, how good this team is. This is your last chance, potentially, with Doug Nikhazy and Gunnar Hogan. Gunnar Hogan is going to leave after this year. He's going to be a top 30 pick. Doug Nikhazy is going to be a top three-round pick. You're going to lose both of those guys. So your last ride with both of these guys, that's the most criminal thing about losing the season last year is you lost one of your three opportunities to go to the College World Series with those two guys leading your rotation. So now you have a one-time shot to do it. Darby McCraney at Darby underscore Dimes. If you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? You have three things on your plate. It can be any three things. Go. Um, it would It would probably be three different slices of pizza of some sort. I mean... I'm all I'm all in on pizza, so the, it, it would my whole plate would be spewing with pizza. Number one, my grandmother's spaghetti, Sunkai Chinese <laughs> restaurant, pon pon chicken <laughs> from Tupelo, Mississippi, and uh, <laughs> I make this oh. dish that I really really like. Call it the Mexican dish. I know that sounds rather indelicate, but that's what I've always been told it is. That a little bit of that, which is effectively some ground beef some Rotel, some cheese, and some Doritos. I could eat that every day and be completely okay. We have to get you out more, man. I don't know about those three choices as your last meal. I mean, they're consistent. We gotta, we gotta... That's the thing. You said pizza. You said pizza. <laughs> Listen, oh, cool, man. You're the guy that goes to the mall and goes and gets a Sabaro slice. So shut up. Who are you to judge no, me? No, no. I am. I am. I've had some good pizza now. I'm telling you. I, I, I have too. John's a bleaker in New York is awesome. I've been to the great pizza places. I'm just saying I can live without pizza. 
No, no way. Who could live without pizza? Name, Me. You can't name. But the thing is, that's, that doesn't matter because I'm never going to have to truly live without pizza. That's not the question. He just asked if I had to have one meal the rest of my life, what would it be? I'd want my grandmother's spaghetti because it's always good. I'd want the Chinese food that I get from Tupelo that's been so good since I was a kid. And then I'd want this dish that I make because it's always consistent. I could eat it every single day. And even if I throw out two parts of that three-dish meal, whatever, I'm content. I'm fine. I, what, what dessert are you adding with yours? Oh, God. If you had one dessert, man. Pecan pie. Yeah, that's solid. I can see that. But it's got to be hot. It's got to be warm pecan pie with whipped cream on top of it. It's got to be something warm with something cold. Yeah. 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 Apple pie There's, with ice cream. Yeah, some, yeah I, can, I can see that. I love warm donuts. I love warm cinnamon rolls. Yes. My grandmother makes the, I'm, I'm giving my grandmother like a, like she's the greatest cook on earth. So, hey, congrats, Memo Norma. You're getting shouts out here on Talk of Champions. She makes this thing called Chocolate Lush. One day, well after we're done with the diet, Brad, you're going to get a little taste of Chocolate Lush. I'll get my grandmother to make you a dish. I'm, I'm for it. I'm excited. Yeah. You know what I also like? also like the, um, the coconut pie. No, the coconut cake from Sweets in New Albany. I've never had a That's taste a- for coconut. No, it's not, not, sorry, it's sugary, not sweet. Yeah, sugary's sweet bakery. To- Shouts out New Albany. Look, Brad even knows about sugary's. They sell sugary's, I think, at a couple of restaurants in Oxford. I think Tallahatchie Gourmet, which originated in New Albany, sells sugary's. So there you go. Sugary's Bakery. Hey, sponsor talk of champions. Cody N. Sanders at Southern Sanders. Why are we not attacking the paint more? Well, I think they're trying to. They're just doing a poor job of it because this team in the half court is not good. In a Kermit Davis offense, you always look to get at least one paint touch per possession in the half court. But because defenses know that Ole Miss offensively can do nothing from the perimeter, they're crowding the paint and forcing Ole Miss to play make with its guards. Devontae Shuler should be able to feast against such a defense, but right now he's just not doing it. We're seemingly more successful when we drive down and catch the fouls. I agree with that. But right now they're trying to do that and they're forcing action that isn't there. At some points, you have to hit the open threes. You have to be able to be proficient, at least to a certain extent, from three to be successful and to open up driving lanes. They're trying to force driving lanes, and that's where all the crowds are. They're crowding the paint. They're forcing Ole Miss to try to beat them from the perimeter, and they can't do it. Blue-collared, comma, hard-nosed, that hard-nosed 15. Any concerns on Kermit and the performance of the team so far? Oh, absolutely. They started 14-2 and in his first year, and since then, I think they're 14-25 and in the SEC. And two games, 28 and 30, under 500 overall. You have to be concerned. How do you think they can turn it around? Make threes. And defensively, what kept Ole Miss afloat, they were number one, tied for first in the country in scoring defense. Get back to being a defense that turns into offense, turning teams over. They're 11th in the country in turnovers force. That's got to turn into easy offense for Ole Miss. Right now, it's not happening for them. Their offensive struggles are taking them out of what made them so good to begin with, and that was their strong defense that would play anywhere. Even if they didn't make threes, defensively, they were there. Well, now they've been exposed, first by Alabama and then by LSU. So if defensively you aren't the elite defensive team that Kermit thought you were, that we all thought you were after a couple of games, well, now that changed the game completely. As we're recording this, Devontae Smith just caught his third touchdown in the first half against Ohio State. This is just didn't fair. How's he running free against the secondary? This dude is elite breakaway speed. I mean, I'm watching his routes and stuff. He literally glides. I mean, he is this dude. That dude's going to be special. But, I mean, we, we got to get us a guy like that at some point. Old Miss, man. That dude is, he is the truth. Well, of course. But 
That's easier said than done. Kenneth Collins at RebelFan68. If the Miami Dolphins never happen, is Nick Saban still winning championships at LSU? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say. I mean, he just, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's probably still LSU doing the same thing, but the guy's just, he, he went to Alabama, he turned it around, and I'm telling you, he, Nick Saban is a good football coach, do not get me wrong, but what he did at Alabama was he, he turned around the program, he had a couple years there where he was able to really get that recruiting going. And it's just a, it's just a never ending cycle. Once you start winning a, a national title, once you get in there, it's just like Clemson. I mean, that they, they, Clemson isn't traditionally this kind of program, but you know, with, with now day and age of social media and everything, you get a couple, you get the national championship a couple of times, you get those recruiting classes going. I mean, you pretty much are, I mean, you, he's on autopilot now, man. I mean, these dudes well, got, hold got, on, got, hold on. Oh, Alabama, when he got there, they already had a recruiting infrastructure in place to where they could go and pay for the players that they needed to return to glory. And because the NCAA has proven, look at LSU, for example, compared to Ole Miss's NCAA investigative case, the NCAA turns a blind eye to particular programs, so certain programs can do whatever they want with full autonomy, and Alabama is one of those programs. So let's not pretend like Nick Saban hasn't been aided by a couple of things. He's a generational coach, probably the best college coach in college football history, but... He has been aided by being at the right place in Alabama because if he tried to come do this at Ole Miss, let's not pretend like he'd be getting the same free pass from the NCAA that he's been getting at Alabama, and he got it at LSU too. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm not going to go into conspiracy theories, but if it's I had to It's not a guess, conspiracy theory. It's true. <laughs> if I had to guess, they're pretty well they're pretty well taken care of around there. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think Nick Saban's a great coach, but the, the players he has – I mean, it's it. Listen, Steve Sarkeesian, he, he every offense coordinator he's had. I mean, they've just they've just balled out. That's why it's hard to judge these coaches um, that come from Alabama. Good thing Lane was actually a good coach and and got away from there. But that was one of my concerns coming in. Hey, was he good because he was at Alabama with all these good players? I mean, dude, these dudes are. are I mean, they they have the best of the best. You know, just rolling in there. I mean, they're they're just subbing guys in that are, that are top recruits and. I mean, it is what it is. He, he, he did a good job. They won. He got the recruiting classes rolling. And once you put four or five top recruiting classes together and you're continuously winning, it's just a never-ending cycle, man. I mean, people want to be a part of Alabama. So um, it, it's pretty hard to lose at that point. Going to jump right back to Bradley Sow, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet, in this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, another proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. It's a new year. 2020, that awful, awful year, is behind us, thank goodness. And that means new beginnings. Maybe even a new car. Well, if you're in the market, there's only one place to go. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you. Get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory right now is priced to sell. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff. They aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. And when you go, make sure to mention that Talk of Champions sent you. These guys are hardcore Ole Miss fans. They're going to want to talk some Rebel sports. But more importantly, they want to make the process as seamless as possible, that you get what you want at a good price. So contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. That's where you got to go to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Malcolm McBee at Shaking the Delta. Why haven't we seen more minutes from Demencio Vaughn? 
Defensively, he can't keep opposing offensive players in front of him. Because I asked Kermit Dave specifically about Demencio. That's why. But that goes back to development, evaluation. He was brought in to make an immediate impact, and he hasn't done it. And it's because defensively, he can't keep players in front of him. He's only played double-digit minutes twice in the nine games he's appeared, so that's bad. Demencio Vaughn so far has been a bust. He was the number four graduate transfer in the country, according to ESPN. So, Kobe P at Pat underscore pathetic. Second question, are you ready for the Mets-Braves rivalry to get heated up again? No, because the Mets suck. Every year, it seems like the last handful of years, we Braves fans have been frustrated by the lack of activity or not addressing certain needs, and they go on to win the division. So, forgive me, I know Francisco Lindor is the number two, three best player in all of baseball. The only other two players that are better than him are Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. But the Braves are the team to beat. Anytime you hear that nonsense, just because everybody gets excited about the offseason champion, the Braves have won back-to-back years. Just stop. Austin Riley has more postseason home runs than the entire roster for the New York Mets. It's the Mets. Wes Jenkins at West Jenkins 11. Any reason we didn't see DeMond Clowney this season? He was available. He played. But we said this before the year. He needs a year of development, a year to get bigger, faster, stronger. He came in pretty lanky. He did play some games earlier in the year, but as year wore on, he didn't play as much because he just was physically not ready to play. Yeah, I think he was a COVID case too there that kind of kind of slowed up his momentum. That's right, but- yep. He's, yeah, he's, he's highly undersized. I mean, but I, I think he's, he's likely got some, some talent or they wouldn't have brought him in. So he's one of those guys. Let's get it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm really excited. He's, he's on my list of guys I'm excited to see for a full off season, but it's so huge for these guys to get a full strength and conditioning. I mean, what they were, what, what you saw this year, that's why I'm so amazed with how good Ole Miss football did was, I mean, the, the spring is where you really, you make your changes, man. I mean, if you you win football games in the fall by what you do in the spring, I mean, if you have something you need to work on, something you need to get better at, you know, and you get to fall camp, it, it's it's too late at that point. You, you can't be you can't change your body, you can't do anything during fall camp. Fall camp is about getting better at football, but but guys that need to get better physically, you do it in the spring. So he's one of those guys I'm excited to see. There's there's quite a few others. Um, you know, the, the the spring is huge. The spring is where you where you build yourself and get ready for the fall. A lot of questions from Justin Bush. At Bush, Justin D, are you going to officially apologize for criticizing my 100.5 over-under prediction for the LSU game? I don't think I criticized it. I just disagreed with it, but I'm sorry. You're right. You're right on. But criticize? Come on. It's a little much. Justin Bush, what are your thoughts on the Western Kentucky wide receiver we picked up in the transfer portal? We already touched on this, but Brad. Yeah, I, I think that, um, like, I, like, like I said, you know, I didn't know who he was. I saw his name, Googled him, started watching some highlight videos. Um, he's he certainly looks he looks unbelievably shifty. He really does. I think that's that's kind of what we're missing at wide receiver. So um, I could see where Lane was thinking, hey, bring him in. Um, you know, let's uh, let's what can what can hurt you? Know, you can't hurt anything. You can only make us a little bit better. And, and if they hit on him and he's, and he's a really good player, then um, you know it really helps boost our boost our playmaking ability in, in the in the wide receiver room. So if he doesn't work out, you go to JJ Henry, you go to somebody that you recruited, and um, you, know, you you give them some some experience, and you hope guys like Braylon Sanders and and Mingo and Drummond kind of carry the load there at wide receiver, and you obviously have some good running backs. There's going to be plenty of offense as you've seen. Um, you know, missing those guys, um, you know, y- Yeboah and, and more to, to put up points. And, and these guys are only going to get better with the full offseason. Justin Bush, should we sound the panic alarm for the basketball team yet? Not yet. It's only been 10 games. In two weeks, if they're the exact same team as they are right now, yes. 
Justin Bush, how is your New Year's resolution coming along? So far, so good. And Brad has had to text me a couple of times and say, effectively, in more coarser words, don't be a wimp. Because I've had moments where I've gone, oh, God, I don't want to do this. And Brad's had to say, Ben, (laughs) we're doing it. Four months. It's four months. Yeah, it's just food, man. I mean, come on. Oh, stop. Food's the best. Kenneth Collins at RebelFan68. What happens first? A New Year's Six bowl game or Kiffin leaves? Oh, my gosh. I mean, how how can you ask a couple of Ole Miss homers that question? Um, Listen, I mean, it's it's all going to depend on the recruiting, man. I mean, if Lane Kiffin can get the support, we can get the recruits in the door, and we can make this man love love Ole Miss, and and we can get Ole Miss relevant where it is a um, national program where he doesn't feel like he has to leave to advance himself. I think Ole Miss can certainly make it there. It's just um, it's just a matter of it if we're going to keep providing him with with everything necessary, and if we can get the players in here, and, and then then I think it could certainly happen. But if it goes on to where where Ole Miss isn't supporting him, and he feels like he can he has to go somewhere else, you know, obviously he leaves. But so far, man, Keith Carter, he is he is the young GM that gets it. Um, winning winning is what builds everything. I mean, it, Oxford is a town that when, when the football teams went in. The, the whole place is better. The whole place is worth more. I mean, he Keith Carter certainly gets it. So um, I, I can see him being the guy that, that helps provide Lane with everything he needs, obviously with, um, you know, with coaching, everything, everything the team needs, he should be there to provide it for him. Jacquez Jones said their goal for next year is to make it to the playoff. So if they make it to the playoff next year or a New Year's Six game, I'm copping out. I'm copping out on that answer. At the C-Bonds, is the baseball tournament in Dallas still going to happen? I honestly have no idea. I could give you a bunch of hot air, float a bunch of nonsense. I, I really, I just don't know. I don't know. Tyler Lee at T Lee eleven twenty five. Who is the mystery tight end transfer? Patience. In due time. It's killing me because I know, and I know, I, I know. I don't want to say anything, but like, it's. Uh, I wish everybody knew. I mean, it's. Uh, it, they, everybody will know at some point, but I, I'm the kind that wants to wants everybody to know because I'm I'm hyped up about it. Andrew Roble at Roble Peace Prize. How confident do you feel in almost being able to secure Taiwan Malone, Brad? Um, you know what? I'm I'm very very concerned with this one. Um, you know, I've had a few conversations, um, you know, within uh, about this guy. So I, I know that that um, I think he's the mo- one of the most important recruits in this class. He's my favorite recruit, um, just film wise. Him and JJ Henry, obviously, are, my, are I think are, are going to be really special special if we get them, but. Um, I, I think there's some concern there. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about it to say the least, but I really hope I'm wrong. And I hope that, um, that, that we can land the kid. I, I know this, the whole baseball thing is really helping us out. Um, but I know there's some, some extreme heat for this kid, um, you know, from other schools that also have good baseball programs as well. The last time I talked to you, cause you do have really good sourcing on this kid. You were more optimistic. What happened? No, I've been, I've been a little bit, I've been a little bit, um, I mean, I, I'm definitely more optimistic than I was. I think that we, um, we, we are back in there, but I think there for a minute, we were, we were extremely worried about it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm 50, 50 now. I was like 75, 25. So, um, I think we're back to 50, 50 on it. I think the biggest pull for Ole Miss right now is the baseball program. Ole Miss being so good baseball-wise and Mike Bianco and staff laying out a plan for this kid, 
is what makes Ole Miss so appealing because right now there is a real temptation for Texas A&M. There's a real temptation for Florida State. There's a real temptation for Rutgers. But it all comes back to baseball. He wants the same type of high-end opportunity in baseball that he's going to get in football. Well, there's only one or two schools that really offer you that. Texas A&M can claim that, but Ole Miss is the best of that group. So that's what gives me optimism. But as far as what they're waiting on for February, that's pretty much it. What kind of baseball player is he? I don't know that I've seen anything on report-wise in First baseball. First baseman, DH. <laughs> he's a big kid. He can is rake. He, is, is, he, is he that legit? Can, he's good. Can he rake? Yeah. He can be like that. I, I've never seen anything with him baseball-wise. I'd actually like to see him take BP or something just, just to look at his swing. Well, baseball-wise, the same thing with John Rice Pumley and Jerry Ely. They're just bonus for Ole Miss baseball because they yeah. don't count toward their scholarships. Yep. yep. So with Tywin Malone – you have every opportunity to come in and play for Ole Miss baseball, just like Jerrion Ely. He started the first game of the year against Louisville last year. Same thing with John Rice Plumley, mostly used as a defensive replacement, a pinch runner. You have opportunity, and for Ole Miss baseball, there is absolutely no risk. You're a free player. Joiner Bryan at Joiner Bryan 2. With all the returning players that started this year, how much different will our defense look next year? Um, I think. I think there's gonna. I think there's gonna be a lot of players that that you saw this year out there. I think there's gonna be a little bit better, and I think you're gonna have some some good rotational depth um, coming in. You know, so I, I just think I think overall the experience is gonna be gonna be better, and I think that um, these guys could take it personal in the off season and and kind of take some of their their games that they played well in and learn from them, and take some of their mistakes and, and get better from them. But I, I think that if it, honestly. Ole Miss defense doesn't have to be all world. They just have to improve. They can't be DFL. You know, they, they if they can get into that, you know, top sixty, top top fifty range. I mean, I think I think you're looking at potentially winning every damn game. I mean, they you get to where you're making some stops with the way our offense. Is, I don't I don't think that they're going to be stopped much. So, um, yeah, I mean, you just got to prove you just got to improve a lot better than you were. You don't have to be all world, but you have to be a solid defense so that so this team can have a chance to to win it all. At a true rebel underscore 99, how do you like the Jacor Pearson transfer? We both like it. Fits what they need. They need a true slot, not necessarily saying that he's going to step in and replace Elijah Moore. But when you look at their roster overall, that's the targeted area that can compete with a J.J. Henry or whoever might be identified as a true slot. And if it doesn't work out, Ole Miss proved in the last couple of games, especially in the Outback Bowl, that Lane Kiffin, with the personnel at his disposal, can still put up yards, can still put up points. Hotty toddy, at Jenny underscore Moyer, is it possible to make me care about basketball? Me? That's a you problem, Jenny. I can't. Wes Jenkins, at Wes Jenkins 11. Any news on the D-line coach search? I still think Lane Kiffin is going big game hunting, but I think as every day passes by, there's a real chance that he promotes Marquise Watson, who served as the interim D-line coach in the Outback Bowl, and did a really good job. It was actually one of the better games for the defensive line all year. Ole Miss generated regular pressure. So Marquise Watson, I think, is going to have a say in the defensive line coach search. He's going to get a real look, and he deserves to. 247 ranked him top 30 under 30 coaches amongst that group. It would be maybe underwhelming as far as splashy on-paper hires, but it might be the right hire. We've seen this before. Sometimes you fire someone to promote one of your off-field guys so you don't lose them. You want to hold on to these guys because otherwise they're going to get on-field opportunities elsewhere. You've experienced this before. Yeah, absolutely, man. You got to um, – yeah, I mean, so sometimes there's you – know, you hire a guy, but then there's a guy behind that could be a little bit better and – um 
you're just looking for the first opportunity to get these guys guys out there because you know you don't want to lose them. You know, they're special coaches. So, yeah, that certainly could be something that happens. I think that the, you're right, though. Lane Kiffin is going to be looking for to add as many splashy hires as he can to to this staff, um, especially when it comes to recruiting. He's going to try to I – mean, that, that's he's, he needs every you know every advantage he can get in that in that field, especially being going against some of the guys we have to go against in recruiting. So, um, I think I think that's that's going to play the biggest role is is, is how can this guy recruit and uh, how can we get guys to Ole Miss that, that we typically wouldn't be able to get. Blue collared, comma hard nosed at hard nosed fifteen. Any bold predictions for the baseball season? One, I think Kevin Graham is going to lead Ole Miss in home runs. Another, Ole Miss is going to go to Omaha, and is going to make it at least as close to the final weekend as you can before the national championship. I don't want to predict. Ole Miss in the national championship series. But I do want to say that Ole Miss will get as close as you can until that point. There's not a lot of unknowns. There's not a lot to be bold about with this baseball team. They're going to be good. I don't think there's going to be a huge drop-off outside of speed, but a huge drop-off from Anthony Servideo to Peyton Chatagnier. From a contact standpoint, no. Justin Bench is going to be the primary center fielder all year. Those are some predictions for you. Nathan McKellen at McKellen, who on the roster slash signee has the best chance to step into Ryder Anderson's position, Brad? Um, I think it's going to be the the Iton guy. I mean, I've been seeing some stuff on him. He looks pretty good. Um, you know, I, I think that you know losing losing Ryder, I don't think is going to be um, to be that hard to replace. I think you have the um, you know, number thirty three. I think it's Cedric Johnson. He looked pretty good at times. Um, I think if Sam Williams, if they'll let him, you know, line up with his hand in the dirt and, and really rush up the field and actually try to get to the quarterback, um, you know, I think I think that'll help us help us big time too. But yeah, I think that there's some guys coming in that, um, you know, especially some, some of the JUCO guys that that can really fill that position. So I, I don't know that um, you know Ryder, Ryder was a was he was a he was a good good football player, solid football player, but but I don't think that it's gonna gonna you know I don't think it'll matter one way or another whether whether he's at Ole Miss or not this year. Not trying to disrespect the kid at all, but I don't think you're really losing much of anything. Not with what you've got coming in. Justin Bush at Bush Justin D. Biggest sleeper in the 2021 class. I know who yours is. Yeah, I'm. I've been huge on the JJ Henry kid. I like his film a lot. Um, you know, I really want Malone. You know, that's that's been my favorite since. I think he has really good film. Um, you look down at um, the Buck Halter kid. I, I think he he reminds me so much of a. Um, of an AJ Brown type, the way he runs, the way he moves. Um, you know, it's obviously a big comparison, but they have very similar body types. Um, uh, yeah, I'm really, really excited about those guys. Elijah Sabatini, the safety out of Biloxi, reminds me of Cody Pruitt. It's easy because he's from the coast, but I really like Elijah Sabatini. I know Ole Miss was absolutely ecstatic to have him decommit and then recommit and continue the momentum that Ole Miss had towards the end of the cycle to close out so strong in December. So I'd say Elijah Sabatini. Hotty toddy at Jenny underscore Moyer. Any football coach updates? Well, we touched on the D-line coach search. Um, according to Football Scoop, a name to know in the search to replace Blake Gideon as special teams coordinator, and Blake Gideon left for Texas, where he's from, where he played. Ole Miss is looking at former Texas co-DC Coleman Hutzler. And right now, as we report on the Ole Miss Spirit, there's a lot of heat out there about Hutzler joining Kiffin's staff. He's the guy that Kiffin wants to get. He'd be a good addition. Of course, he's a 13-year coaching veteran, spent 10 seasons working with linebackers, seven years in the SEC, then co-defensive coordinator, linebackers coach at Texas, January 14, 2020. 
He's on the market now because Tom Herman was fired at Texas, replaced by Steve Sarkeesian. So that's probably the biggest update right now. Otherwise, not a ton. We thought that there'd be a lot of movement right now staff-wise, but there really hasn't been. Chuck Clark at Chuck, and I'm not even going to get into the rest of that handle. Do you think that offensively, Ole Miss basketball seems to be overplaying or thinking too much? I do. I do. When they shoot the ball especially. When somebody drives, kicks out, one, two, three ball rotations, and there's an open shot from the perimeter, I don't believe that they're confident when they let the ball go. They're making these shots in practice. Just seems like we have a lot of offensive, quote, rules to live by, but have players who don't operate that way. The offense hasn't changed. It's been the same offense since Kermit Davis has been here. And yet you go and play against LSU and Devontae Shuler and K.J. Buffin, your two most veteran players, go over the game in shooting. That just can't happen in high-level games. You're not going to win those games. If you're not getting anything from them, you're not going to win. Then just making the plays that are there and not allowing your offensive struggles to take you out of your defensive game. Ole Miss has been so bad offensively that defensively they've suffered. That can't happen. Your defense has to be there no matter what. But the 1-3-1 has not been particularly effective, especially against teams like Alabama, which expose you with their pacing and their ability to shoot volume threes. One catch threes that they take many, many times throughout the game. But Ole Miss offensively has to generate it from their defense being elite, and their defense has fallen apart or been a mess the last handful of weeks. All right, that's it. That's all the questions we had. Another Beautiful. successful mailbag here on Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already subscribed, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. All right, for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com to food of 247 Sports. That's it. We'll do it again. Thanks, buddy. See you, Ben. Howdy, toddy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.